Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 120 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me as he always is, is Cal. And Cal, this is our last regular Batman the Animated Series review for the month. And we're ending it with a very interesting one. Yeah, we are picking up right where we left off in production order. And that is with the pseudo-sequel to the very first episode of Batman the Animated Series that we covered way back in the archives at DCAReview.com on episode one, that being on Leather Wings, this episode that we're reviewing being Terror in the Sky. That is right. It is, as you mentioned, the second appearance of the Man-Bat, or a Man-Bat, as we'll get to. Um, and it, yeah, it, it plays directly into the plot of the first on leather wings. It's interesting because the first episode was, was sort of played up as a, a mystery and a monster movie and that we didn't really get a clear look at the man bat right uh, until near the end of the episode. It's sort of fully revealed what exactly is going on. But here it's it's a lot more obvious. But before we get into breaking down the plot and the rest of our categories, I, of course, Cal, have the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode. Excellent. And uh, we did not mention it yet, but this episode, Liam, that we are covering today, as you mentioned, Terror in the Sky, originally debuted back on November the 12th, 1992. Liam, you were not even alive yet. <laughs> Yeah, how about that? We are uh, fast approaching the, wow, the 28th birthday of this episode. Um, there you go. But, yes, so this is the synopsis for Terror in the Sky, which was written by Steve Perry and Mark Saracini, directed by Boyd Kirkland, with music by Shirley Walker and animation by the Dong Yang Animation Company. And that synopsis reads as such. The man-bat appears to be on the loose again, but it isn't clear if Dr. Kirk Langstrom is involved. All right, well, I mean, that is, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, that's what, I could imagine reading that in a TV guide in 1992. <laughs> yeah, that's not, as, as far as uh, some of the ones we've had in the last, the last month or so, yeah, this is, this is one of the better official IMDb synopses, but Yes, we can from there jump right into our plot with this week's Cal. It's interesting. We've talked about this before. When you're rewatching an episode that is built around something of a mystery, and while this episode is a different type of mystery than the first Man Bad episode, um, it's still sort of it's not exactly clear. We we see some evidence that Kirk Langstrom is is changing into the Man Bad once again. There's some concern that the cure that Batman created for him is is not permanent and isn't working anymore. 
And we sort of have, and then sort of about halfway through the episode, it's discovered that no, it's it's not Kirk. Batman is able to get a a DNA sample from this new bat creature and discovers that it is not the same as the previous one and that we have a new man, man bat, or should we say woman bat, as it turns out, but is it in fact Kirk Langstrom's wife? Uh, how is How did this sort of mystery twist and turn plot, how did this hold up for you on a rewatch this week? I, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I think that... I didn't recall the bait and switch. Well, the the irony is, is they use the same sort of red herring bait and switch that they used in the very first Man Bat episode in that being Dr. March, who, of course, is Francine's uh, Francine Langstrom's father. So he is played once again as the red herring, as the person that is sort of at least inferred that could be responsible, could be the person behind this new man bat. He, in fact, obviously was the person that was obsessed with the idea that bats are the next step in evolution, I believe is his stance on things. And he's, uh, you know, he was, he was co-responsible with Kirk. So they do some, some, cutaway scenes where you see Dr. March sort of lurking about. So they use a lot of the same plot beats. Well, I mean, a few of the same plot beats from that first episode, but I I really enjoyed the episode uh, as a whole. I think that it flows very well together. I think that it does kind of leave you guessing, especially the way that that first scene is sort of mocked up. You know, they have, they, uh, give you the first look at the man bat sonar. So we get uh, you know point of view from man bat uh, herself. And then we get, uh, we get some sort of uh, am- ambiguity as we're not sure exactly who the person is, but you get, it's inferred that Kirk Langstrom is the person because he wakes up from this dream in a cold sweat. And then you're not really sure who it is once Batman discovers that uh, the DNA is not a match. So I think that the twist in turns of, well, is it Kirk Langstrom? It's not. And this, again, is one of those episodes that's hard to put the genie back in the bottle, per se. But looking at it from, you know critical eyes in the year 2020 if this was the first time that i had watched this episode i think i would have would have given it a a really really high score for plot yeah i i tend to agree like like we said we've talked about that before with re-watching mystery episodes um it, it can be difficult when you kind of already when you're ahead of the people on the screen who are trying to figure it out that can always kind of be an issue um, and yeah, I, I think maybe there's a little bit of that here, but I do think, and I, I, I agree with you that the, the way they sort of once again, uh, wove Dr. March into this story. And once again, he sort of, well, honestly, in this, in this episode, there's, there's actually two red herrings, as you pointed out. We, we first think it's, it's Kirk Langstrom returning to, uh, to his, his, persona in the man bad and then once we know that's not true then it certainly seems to immediately cut to dr march being the prime suspect but then that too is is sort of the bait and switch is yes he is in fact the one who has been who had resumed experiments with the man bat serum but he wasn't able to test it due to a vial breaking and uh the serum ending up getting into francine langstrom's bloodstream as she was trying to clean up the vial that that he broke 
I needed to test it, but before I had the chance. You mean you haven't taken it? Of course not. The experimental batch was destroyed. I'll have to... Destroyed? How? I'd been working through the night. I was just completing the final combination. Francine burst in. I was startled. You have to understand, I was very tired. I accidentally dropped the beaker. The whole night's work ruined. Francine never guessed what I'd been doing. She even helped me clean up the mess. All that glass. Oh, oh my lord, Francine, the mutagen. It's in her bloodstream now. Oh, no. It's really interesting because, yeah, in the middle of this, you sort of get this big confession and dramatic reveal that Dr. March was really the one responsible for all of it. But that in the end, he isn't really he still isn't the real villain or the real monster of the story, or at least not in a literal sense, because, yeah, Francine has become sort of a victim of his refusal to stop tampering with this man bat serum that is kind of haunted him since the very first episode yeah and i i think ultimately he is the confrontation that batman has with dr march where as he comes as dr march comes to the realization that francine is this new she bat or man bat uh woman bat uh however however you prefer your pronouns for this this villain mm-hmm. uh the the confrontation that Batman has with him where he, he just kind of, he does everything but grab him by the lapels and shake him and asks him what, what it's going to take for him to stop messing with things that he shouldn't. Is that what it's going to take? Your daughter's life before you end this insanity? And uh, the, the realization that Dr. March is responsible ultimately leads to him burning his own copy of the, the notes and research, which uh, sets up that, you know, sets up that he's, he's done. He's, he's not going to mess with this anymore because it's, he didn't, it wasn't a big, big enough deal when it threatened his daughter's husband's life. But now that his own flesh and blood, his own daughter has become the monster. uh, It's, it's, it's a sad realization for him that he's, allowed his life's work to get in the way of those who he truly loves. Yeah. I think that, and there's always sort of that element, I think in a lot of, uh, obviously this, this draws much more on leather wings did than this one, but sort of drawing on those old monster movies. That's, that's always sort of the theme, right? Is, is man tampering, sure. with, tampering with uh, things beyond his control. And yeah, that's, that's sort of the underlying theme of this episode is, Again, at first you're sort of, and again throughout the episode, Francine is not aware that she's the one transforming. Um, so she she assumes that it must be Kirk must be taking this man bat serum she, that he must be back with it, and then as as she she sort of uh, you know she's sort of beginning to lose it towards the end of the episode as she feels like her her husband's lied to her and and is, is sort of an addict to this man bat serum and. And uh, yeah, it, it, it creates some, some definitely some some interesting wrinkles to it. I think adding in that second that second layer of switch of, of switching it up where you you don't just do the it's not Kirk, it's Francine right away. You kind of wait till very late in the episode to make that reveal. Not all that dissimilarly, I guess, to how they uh, hid the reveal of, of Kirk in, in on Leather Wings. It, it's interesting, like. It, it is interesting to see an episode, and obviously we had one just last week in Day of the Samurai, but 
it doesn't feel like there's a ton of episodes of this original Batman run that are direct sequels. There are a few, mm-hmm. but so many episodes, it's like, you know, the Joker's back or the Penguin's back or whoever. And it's not like they're talking about what happened last time with them. Right. You know, so it's interesting to see these these few examples of where they did actually uh, um, sort of sort of go go do a direct sequel with you know direct ramifications from that previous episode and yeah i, I think i think it, uh, it it results in an interesting episode like i said i think it's tough to beat that atmosphere of of one leather wings and you, you wait so long for that full man bat reveal at the end of the episode whereas this one we open with him with with her right. uh and for a lot of the episode she's not really doing a lot like she's just eating fruit <laughs> Forget this! Yeah, it can have the fruit. For the first <laughs> for the first few minutes, and then she sort of has this confrontation with Batman, and we'll certainly get to more of that in visuals, but yeah, it's definitely, I don't think it's like quite as tightly paced or woven the way On Leather Wings was. Sure. But I do think, I do think the sort of the extra twists and turns they added uh, still made it uh, a quite enjoyable watch. And that's actually why I gave uh, Plot a 7 out of 10. Nice. Uh, I am very close to that. I gave an 8 out of 10, just a tick higher. Uh, I don't think we mentioned this This uh, episode is loosely based on Detective Comics number 429, uh, which is the story Man Bat Over Vegas. It has a very similar uh, – the, the, the thread, the, the, the plot point of, of Francine being the Man Bat uh, as Batman uh, makes the assumption that – Kirk Langstrom is up to his old tricks again, but then they find out the Francine instead. Like I said, loosely based. Uh, that is available, at least for now, on the DC Universe app. Uh, <laughs> you can check that out. Uh, written by Frank Robbins and pencil, pencils by Don Heck and Frank Robbins. It's a very 19, like, <laughs> 1970s comic book. I'll just say that. I was going to say, yeah. It was, it, we were out of the... <laughs> We were out of the Dick Sprang era by then, by, you know, we were out of the, the sort of, and I guess we had started to get away from the, the sort of the comic version of the Adam West stories, but yeah, there's still a lot of, uh, still, yeah, the book was written in 1972, so yeah. My favorite <laughs> was, my favorite was when the editor, editor or whoever penciled it decided that they needed to define the word spelunking. <laughs> <laughs> Because apparently they assumed that the comic readers of that day and age had no idea what spelunking was. So I think at that point there was still an idea that comics were predominantly read by children, which at that point they probably still were. So maybe that's good point. Good counterpoint there. Uh, But yeah, yeah. overall, overall, I think that it's a it's a it's a very fun episode. I think you're right. There's not like it's not it's also not a, a. Batman catches a bank robber type thing. It's a Batman is worried that this creature is going to wreak havoc and cause terror in his city. He feels that uh, he needs to go sort of shake the uh, shake Kirk Langstrom down and figure out what his problem is and where why he would start messing with with this formula again. Why would you do this to me? You promised. It's it's not what you think. 
The devil it isn't. I'm sick and tired of cleaning up after you, Langstrom. So, people have spotted it? Yes. You must have some kind of death wish to take that stuff again, Doctor. What? You think it's happening deliberately? If I am transforming, then that thing's still inside me. I'm not taking the formula. Stop it. Stop it. I'm sick of hearing about that thing. I'm sick of my life. I'm sick of you. Francie! Francie, wait! If you haven't been taking the formula again, what's all this? What do you think? I've been trying to clean up after you. Obviously, your so-called antidote didn't work. How could it have? If I'm still transforming, don't you get it yet, Batman? You failed. All right, let's prove it. Give me your hand. What are you doing? A DNA sample. I'll run some tests. We'll see what the truth is. And then stumbles upon a mystery as to who the actual man bat is. So you get some detective work there that is quickly uh, figured out as as Batman uh, does his investigation. And then there's a there's a there's a thread also between there that, like you said, that sort of sort of alludes to a, a relationship that one, uh, you know, that, that a couple would have if one was involved with addiction, because, uh, you know, Francine constantly or it seems to be berating Kirk and, and not understanding how he could go back to using this formula. The irony, of course, her being the, man, the, the, the she bat in this episode, but she, she's kind of done with their relationship. She decides to jump on a plane and leave Gotham and ultimately leave Kirk. That creep follows her to the, to the <laughs> airport and jumps on the plane. And, uh, they have sort of a, a romantic uh, reunion as he reveals that, that Batman did a DNA test, but unfortunately she's about to transform into, into the she bat. And then we get, we get, uh, Batman, sort of chasing her through the city and uh, ultimately a, a final confrontation that takes place on Gotham bridge at the top of the bridge, which is, which is great. We'll talk a little bit about that in visuals, but I, I think that it's one of those that kind of pulls at your heartstrings a little bit because of the emotional aspect and because of the human, the, like the human aspect as it were, as, as these characters are, are driven. And like you said, it does draw off of that, world building and continuity building that we we love these shows for because it it's not just this is a standalone episode that it fits into its own 22 minutes and while it could be but it, it also acknowledges that hey this is a continuation of other things that you've seen and those things are also important and and if you remember those details you get extra points because you know this plot makes sense or this this beat also makes sense for you for sure. Yeah, I think uh yeah, if you're if if you're doing kind of a rewatch of of this this section of the episodes with us, it might if you have the time it might also be good to refresh yourself on 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 leather wings as it's obviously it's been a, a few years since we've uh, we've reviewed it, so it's been a while since we've seen it as well, but um yeah, there's there's definitely it, it definitely really builds off of of that episode and sort of builds the mystery and uses all the sort of the same ancillary characters it's not necessarily like say something like two-face where you have such a strong and emotional sort of character piece in his first appearance and there is one episode uh, later down the line that we'll get to someday called second chance that sort of directly follows up on 
you know, Bruce Wayne's relationship with Harvey Dent and how it was shattered when he became Two-Face. But in between there, there's two or three episodes where Two-Face is just one of the villains. Right. Um, and, I, and so we don't necessarily we're not constantly hit over the head with with the continuity there in the way that we are in this episode, where, again, it's it's not just, oh, it's the man bad again. It's also that, yes, it's this relationship that was sort of put on the rocks by Kirk experimenting with this serum in the in the first episode. And then also you still have this strange conniving father in law character who was seemingly, you know, suspect number one in uh, in on leather wings as to who the the identity of the man bat is and here he is again sort of on the uh, even more directly involved than he was last time and uh yeah so i i think it's it's really interesting how they sort of really connected all those threads together it was very clever i concur all right and from there we will move on to visuals and animation as we mentioned we have uh dong yang doing the animation this week thank god uh, and uh, Boyd Kirkland directing. And yeah, this episode, especially the pure animation in it, is really quite breathtaking. Like, they do some really creative stuff. A lot of this, uh, as you might expect with a character like the Man Bat, takes place in the air. There's a lot of chase sequences. Um, and first, Batman's chasing uh, the She Bat through the city on his motorcycle. And actually, he's trying to get the She Bat to chase him. So they're, they're sort of driving through the city. Also, it just happens to be snowing in this episode. So that sort of creates an, another unique thing for the for the background artists, I think, to play around with as you get to see mm-hmm. uh, other than maybe Christmas with the Joker. I don't think we've seen an episode yet that uh, actually I think Cat Scratch Fever was snowing in that episode, too. But it's a rarity. And uh, yeah, this one took much better advantage of having a, a great animation company helping you out. But yeah, so many of the sequences of, of those two chase sequences, especially with Batman on the motorcycle, and then later near the end of the episode as uh, as Batman is, is chasing the She-Bat in, in, uh, through Gotham in, well, while Batman is in the Bat-plane, uh, and they're weaving through all these buildings. It's, it's really quite clever, and as you mentioned, there's a great bit at the end with them on top of a bridge. Yeah, um, I'm going to start off by mentioning you 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 noticed that or you said the difference between this episode and on leather wings, which we can't help but compare them, obviously, for for good reason. But that original on leather wings episode, we don't really see man bat until, like you said, till almost the third act, probably. Uh, And even then, there's some some sort of, you know, it's it's not exactly long shots you're not it's a lot of flight that happens in that in that episode a lot of batman hanging on not a lot of close-ups but what they've done differently is again very first scene you spot the she bat in this episode and they had a lot of fun i think with making the she bat's face expressions Mm -hmm. Uh, it's very animalistic it's a little cartoony at times a little like it almost dipped into am i watching a, a a Looney Tunes or an Animaniac <laughs> episode here. What is what is going on? Especially as as she's eating the fruit, like the faces mm-hmm. that, that she made. But I I really grew to appreciate it because as, throughout the episode, it does a great job of expressing the emotion that the, that this monster is sort of going through, and it it, it varies from from again at the beginning she, it's 
apparently Dr. March, instead of, uh, instead of working with the, the original vampire bat or the original brown bat serum that Dr. Langstrom was working with in, in the first episode, he's got a fruit bat working on this one because Francine goes right for the fruit when she turns into, <laughs> into cheap bat. So, uh, She's very expressive in that scene, as you mentioned, the scene, uh, the, the second scene that she's in also where she sort of chases after Batman on the motorcycle or on the bat cycle through the snow. There's a lot of close ups of of her face in that. And she lands in the snow at one point and, and Batman and her doing battle. So they they really took advantage of being able to to show close ups. I, I think that. That final, I, I could probably talk about the the final uh, chase scene as Francine escapes the the plane, holding on to Kirk, and then Batman uh, has to do a rescue from from the plane and then chases after her in the bat plane and it's it's absolutely like breathtaking is absolutely the word that I would use for it. Just the amount of uh, there's a there's a close up where it zooms in on uh, she bats face and she's flapping her wings and it pans up from her holding Kirk and you can see the buildings moving in the background. Uh, the clouds are moving in the background. It changes perspective a couple different times from a head on perspective to a, a profile shot. It's done really, really well directed really well. The bat plane chases it and flies past it. You see the sort of the wind marks blow, blow her face back and then she changes direction and, I think that was one of, if I recall, that was one of the things that we loved about that that very first episode on Leather Wings is, is Batman, you know, being attached to Man Bat and sort of the the sequence of him chasing after him. And and this was a an equal, if not maybe surpassed that for me as wow. far as the visuals are concerned. It's just it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, the thing, you know, pretty much half of my notes that I made after, during watching this is just. <laughs> It's so good, and and you know we'll talk about the other categories in just a second. But that that scene of her carrying Kirk and the bat plane chasing it, and ultimately what leads to the battle between Man Bat or She Bat and and Batman on top of this bridge, and he's trying to shoot the antidote at her, and he hits her, and she pulls it out of her arm and sort of grimaces, and then keeps coming at him. Uh, it's just a it's it's so it's such a familiar battle because that's that's like the climax of every giant beast versus your hero movie plot <laughs> but but it it fits so well the visuals are great like that whole sequence i think was the is batman the animated series in a nutshell it's the music it's the visuals it's the animation and it's the voice acting all coming together with this this plot that of pulling on your heartstrings. It's the perfect, like all encompassing little scene right there. It's, it's so, so good. There's so many great visuals in here that we could talk about though, Lane. For sure. Um, yeah, I think it's funny you mentioned how expressive the, the she bat is. Cause yeah, for the most part, you know, on leather wings, the man bat is just sort of your generic monster with the one exception being when the man bat and Batman are having sort of when Kirk first transforms and he sort of, you know, revealed in the full man bat form and he's about to attack Batman and Francine walks into the room. And in that moment, man, uh, you know, I rewatched the scene uh, just not too long ago and like his ears go down and he looks very ashamed. And so, and then he, you know, he flies out the window and Batman attaches the rope to him and, 
and they're off for that final, you know, that final That's few right. minutes of that episode. And so it, it is really interesting to see one to see a more overtly expressive man bat in this episode, really from the start, as you mentioned. But especially to have that sort of same thing of, of this episode is, uh, you know, above all else, it's about sort of this this married couple going through these these trials and tribulations. And, and I, I like sort of the mirror images there of, of even once she has transformed into the she bat that her, you know, her devotion to, to Kirk in the scene is 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 still sort of the strongest emotion she has and sort of still is the most important important thing to her and yeah when when he falls out of the plane and batman sort of sees him falling and realizes there's no way he's going to catch him and you just see you know a blur of 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 the the she bat flying down after kirk and then yeah dropping kirk on the top of the bridge and sort of looking down at him sort of sad and sad and ashamed that she's she's hurt this man she loves it's it's really really well done and yeah, there's that that sort of romantic tragedy uh, aspect to this that again sort of plays on some of the themes we saw near the end of On Leather Wings. It's just another way, and again visually, it's of of making sure these these stories uh, rhyme, so to speak. So yeah, I, I think they did a really clever clever job with a lot of that. And like I said, I think the the sequence of the the bat plane chasing chasing uh, the she bat through the uh, through the city was just so impressive because again i anytime we do something like that and you're you're going past all the buildings and it's all the sweeping stuff and there's so much animation so much extra work to be put in there i i think of other superhero cartoons of that era that just had like a cgi city or that or that tended to reuse the same shot over and over again um and here is you know, painstakingly, they went ahead and not only animated the plane and and the bat, but also they've they've went the extra mile to sort of make sure the it really feels like they're zooming past these these buildings as they're flying through the city. It's really breathtaking. Like we said, obviously, our, our this category kind of covers both the the overall visuals of the episode, character designs, things like that, but. In this episode, the animation itself, the quality of the animation, I think, is really what shines through. And uh, I do have some minor nitpicks with it, which is just, I think, there's a a little bit of Batman feel. Like, he feels a little, especially in the face with certain angles, he looks a little two-dimensional to me. Yeah, there was one Um, or two shots that I recognized, too, where, especially that scene, the, the battle on the bridge where she after he shoots her the second time, she sort of whacks him in that. She like, she's falling down and he goes over to check on her and she punches him in the head and he kind of flies mm-hmm. up, falls back and hits his head. And he, there's sort of an angle where it looks like he's shape shifted into 2d man a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It looks like his head's deflated. Um, yeah. Uh, not, you know, not a major issues, but there, there was definitely a little bit of, uh, of that, that I, I thought was working. So I, I still, like I said, I, I really love this episode. Uh, I think uh, I mildly disagree that it was, uh, you know, quite as good as that on Leather Wings chase scene, but it was still great, and it was still something really remarkable to see. And like I said, I think from uh, setting it in in this winter time with all the snow was a really creative way to uh, to add a little, just again, an, a, a different a different texture to to all the scenes as well. Um, so yeah, for all those reasons. Despite my, my minor nitpicks, I went ahead and I gave visuals a perfect 10 out of 10. Nice. 
Um, a couple additional things here for me that I wanted to mention, uh, even down to the details of, uh, we mentioned that the, the bat cycle makes a, a return here. First time we've seen that in a few episodes. Um, mm-hmm. not, not sure. They avoided the Batmobile altogether, which I thought was thought was uh, unique. No Batmobile at all. We get Batcycle and Batplane. So uh, nice to change things up. Obviously, there was re- specific reasons for both of those vehicles. Uh, but I thought even the attention to detail with the Batcycle having like snow tires, it's got spikes on the tires uh, mm-hmm. for the snow. Uh, so I thought that that was, a, that was a great little attention to detail. Yeah, that, that, that sequence where he like unlocks the, the Batcycle cycle and yeah we see like the tire covers go up and has those little details there and then sort of the the whole uh you know the, the cockpit sort of lights up with all the different buttons to press as he's radioing alfred that's that was really really clever there's yeah there's a couple cool pov shots of like him up, like we see like we're like behind batman in the bat plane and you can sort of see you can see the outline of the she bat on his radar like there's some mm-hmm. really creative minor things they did as well yeah, it's that attention to detail that you know you you don't have to do that, but and and maybe if this was a different animation studio, they may have tried that or or, or avoided it altogether or tried it and it turned out poorly. But uh, Dong Yang is is obviously one of the studios that did the majority or, or a large amount of episodes, and uh, I thought Batman. This was uh, I know I mentioned it last week that Batman looked pretty on model, but I think this is the most on model for me Batman that I've seen in a good episode. Uh, so I, I thought it, he was he looked pretty on model despite the fact that we mentioned that one or two scenes where they had a little dimension issues. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention was uh, that we mentioned that final chase scene just because of how impactful it is. But we mentioned there's also another chase scene where Man Bat is cha- or She Bat is chasing Batman on the motorcycle or on the Bat cycle through through Gotham and uh, the the, the bike goes airborne and he sort of jumps over uh, a large a large wall or fence and lands in the middle of the uh in the middle of the highway and eventually the bat cycle ends up on train tracks and gets crushed by a train uh I, I thought that was a fun a fun one and one that i actually remember trying to reenact with like a, a model train that we had at one point uh a christmas train putting the bat cycle on the train tracks and pretending like it was going to get hit by the train um, so yeah, that was, that was fun. There was also, did you catch, I believe Kirk Langstrom was holding a newspaper on the plane and on the plane, I believe was the clip from, uh, I want to say it was either cat in the claw or I think it's cat in the claw. Cause it looks like the same newspaper from that. Cause it looks like Maven with a, with a cat is featured on the newspaper. Yes, I did notice that, but I didn't, I couldn't. Uh, I didn't take the time to see if there's an actual headline that went with it, but I did thought, I was like, oh, that looks quite a bit. And actually, visually speaking, um, I think it's good that they gave Francine glasses because she would otherwise look very much like Selena Kyle. Very similar hairstyle, yes. They have yeah. that, that same blonde, very yellow blonde hair with, uh, with the uh, sh- sort of short, slick back on top with the long length in the back, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, so one other thing that I really thought was a, was a neat scene transition is as soon as Batman, uh, after he's done shaking down Dr. March and Dr. March realizes that he's responsible for turning Francine into the She-Bat, uh, Batman sort of lectures him and he sort of uh, Dr. March is dejected and it sort of fades to black. 
and then the scene transition, you see a match strike, and it lights up, and it lights up Dr. March's face, and it's him throwing the match on his research to burn it. And I thought that was such a cool scene transition where it, it fades to black, you, it, and then the next thing you see is the match light, and then the match drops and burns his his uh, his his research signifying that he's mm-hmm. finished with this, with this whole thing. But I thought that was a great scene trans, uh, uh, transition for that. So uh, for all those reasons, for all the things that we talked about for that chase scene as a whole. Uh, so, 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 so great. Um, all of that, I ended up giving visuals also a 10 out of 10. Very good. And I would just like to give a special shout out to the very last moments of the episode as as Francine has transformed back into her normal self and she and uh, she and Kirk are embracing and then Batman just begins to walk away as if he's going to is he going to leave them on top of the bridge? Well, possibly. I'm not sure. But actually, that I guess it kind of goes back to plot, but I, I also sort of visual there. It's interesting that ultimately, and this story was kind of, like we mentioned, the whole the, the the sort of the thread throughout this part of the story is the the fragility of the Langstrom's relationship. But Kirk ends up being the hero at the end. He saves Francine from the fall and mm-hmm. because Batman is knocked out. I've got you, honey. And this time, I'm not letting you go. Kirk. The nightmare's finally over. So he ends up, as she may have been partially responsible and not giving up on him in that first episode, uh, she's, you know, she's uh, begging Batman, from my recollection, to to bring him home safely. And that, that episode sort of ends with Batman bringing him home safely to her. And then this episode, she saves him initially from falling out of the plane, even in her monster form. But ultimately, Kirk sort of saves her at the end. It's a that's a that was a great plot point that I've neglected to mention, but the visual yeah. of him being the hand to grab her at the end there I thought was pretty awesome. Good, great point. And that will bring us to our third category, which is of course music. We have Shirley Walker composing the music herself this week, and uh, while it doesn't necessarily have that that same theme again, the way that I, I just always think of those those horns at the beginning of. Uh, of uh, on leather wings, uh, they're so striking. And as every time I see that title, that title card, you know, I, I hear the music in my head. And this one doesn't quite have something I think as instantly recognizable as that opening, the, that opening theme from uh, on leather wings. But there's still some some pretty strong music throughout this episode. Yeah, um, I had some definitely had some notes for that as well. Um, I, I think that the the music during the scene, the first fight scene between Batman and She-Bat is really done really well. The music swells at the points that it's supposed to. Uh, we've remarked several times, at least my, my, I've remarked my appreciation. Whenever there's a chase scene, Shirley Walker absolutely kills the music. <laughs> she, she was just great at composing a, a great soundtrack that 
added to the tension of the scene and the sort of edge of your seat feel to how things were going. And uh, she does not certainly does not fail in this this episode either. Uh, to she does not disappoint, I should say. And uh, yeah, th- she does a great job. I think that there's uh, there's more mood setting music than anything, but the points where there is action, man, it kicks in, and it's maybe not uh, a recognizable tune uh, as far as for the villain per se. So there's not a standard. You know, they don't necessarily they call on some of the notes I think of the original, but not it's not a straight musical repeat for that but the batman theme to me was the one that stuck out for this because of its inclusion in 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 those high intensity scenes yeah we've talked about that a lot but her ability and really you know uh to to just know when to go back to that theme is so impressive and she had such good instincts for it and it was never overused or uh, and, and she, it's 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 well utilized in this episode as well. There's also a really interesting musical cue when the door of the plane has been ripped off and Kirk has fallen out and and the Shevak goes down to catch him. Batman is there's a like a flight attendant that falls out and Batman catches her using the remote control claw thing that I think we previously saw in Feet of Clay, right, uh, on the Bat plane and he puts. Her, he puts her back in the plane and he sort of uses the claw to close the door back up um, and there's a really interesting musical cue that almost sounds like something that we would hear later on in, in like Justice League um, it's like real it, it just had this really weird sort of it was it was just very like happy heroic music that you would maybe expect more from like an ensemble superhero show. Not that it was bad, but it just it stuck out to me that just just in the moments as he's closing up the the door of the plane and, and begins to sort of break off to go chase to go chase the she bat. They added in some really interesting musical cues there and uh, before they got into it. So you mentioned some some sort of the great uh, classic Shirley Walker chase music that we get for a lot of the rest of the episode. And yeah, some of the the sort of the dramatic there is once once she bet's been hit with a couple of the vials as Batman runs up and hits this big flying kick on on the creature. Uh, just you know, as it was, she was also good at sort of ramping up the tension and then letting the the action of the scene, the visual of the scene, is sometimes the is sometimes the the punchline or the exclamation point where we bring up the music and then the music drops out completely. And we just let the sound effect or the or whatever the, the visual is sort of be the you know be the be the punchline of the scene. And she, yeah, but yeah the, the music and in, in obviously in this show and all the shows, but I think in this episode especially was really good about knowing when to hold back and sort of knowing when to add into a scene and then sort of when to pull back. Yeah, there's a there's a really good point too when the music sort of swells when the Langstroms are reunited on the plane and he he tells Francine that he's not the one to uh, that that is turning into Man Bat and there's a great swell that happens there that sort of ultimately quickly turns to tragedy as you know that Francine is turning into into the She Bat and it won't be long that this happy reunion occurs but. It, that and I, you know, I, I think everything that you stated. There are points where the music drops out, or 
uh, where it swells or it's I mean it's what we say pretty much every week that we've covered a Batman animated series episode about mm-hmm. Shirley Walker, that that Shirley Walker did she's it's well documented her her talent and and we're not really adding anything by saying how great she is but it's it's true I mean she was she was great she was she was the best and she certainly deserves all the praise that she she and accolades that she get so um yeah I, w- I would agree with you that this week's again it's, there's not like a, it's not as memorable as some of the ones that we've talked about before but it didn't i don't think it needed to be a standout and and like i said i think the biggest compliment i can give is that that chase scene between you know that final that final chase scene between the bat plane and man bat wash or she bat as she's carrying kirk langstrom um is it's just perfect the perfect marriage of everything the visuals the music at the same time uh you know the 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 plot and 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 the voice acting ultimately so i i think it's really really good um I I think it's very strong. I think not not specifically going back to the original Man Bat theme was um, the, maybe the only mistake that you could point <laughs> out. Like maybe use some hints of that, or maybe use some some stronger notes of that uh, to make it more recognizable because of how impactful that episode was. Obviously, um, but that's nitpicking. But that's what we do here. So uh, I ended up. <laughs> I ended up giving music a very strong nine out of 10. Yeah. And I'm a little bit lower there. I went seven out of 10. Like I said, I think there's some really good mood setting in here and the music plays a big part, but uh, yeah, the, the, like I said, it sort of plays more of a background role, but still very, very good. There you go. And that will bring us Cal to our final category of the week, which is of course, voice acting. And we have a lot of returning guest stars, not a huge cast, um, as really we we when it comes to our regulars we of course have uh, Kevin Conroy as Batman Ephraim Zembla Jr. as Alfred but uh, and then we have our returning guest stars and it's mostly the same uh, guest stars we had in On Leather Wings we have uh, Mark Singer returning as Kirk Langstrom who we actually got to talk about a little bit earlier this month as he also had that cameo appearance in Tiger Tiger. We have Rene Oberenwa, is how I'm choosing to pronounce that this time. Great job. Uh, as, uh, as Dr. March returning, uh, Paul from Boston Legal, and, uh, and also several other uh, voice acting roles over the years. And then we have Meredith McRae returning as Francine. Uh, I guess big picture thoughts. What did you think of the voice, a- uh, voice cast this week? I think I think it's strong. There's not there's not a whole lot that has to be well. Kirk Kirk and and Batman are really the voices that you hear the most of. There's a little bit of Francine and a little bit that's asked of her. Um, she is she was uh, she was pretty strong. I thought for for what she was asked to do. Uh, you know she's emotional. She's she's running away and she's had her fill with, with Kirk's experiments and how it's ruined her life. So uh, she has some emotion to show in that episode. Uh, but really I think the MVPs and the people that you outside, you know, Do- Dr. March's voice is, is a returning, certainly a returning character and his interaction as we already covered with, with Batman and in the confrontation scene is, is really good. I, I like their back and forth. Uh, Ephraim Zemblis Jr. Obviously has a very small, small, small part to play, but, 
he has a couple quips that he managed to squeeze into his little lines there. So that was, that was welcome. But I, I truly think that ultimately Kevin Conroy do, ends up doing the, the, the lion's share of the, of the dialogue. Not that there's a, not that there's a ton of it, but the, he has to convey a lot of emotion, whether it's consoling uh, Kirk uh, as his wife leaves or reassuring him that he's not responsible. Langstrom. I have news. Francine's gone. She really left me. Not that I can blame her. Who wants to live with a monster? You're not a monster, Langstrom. Not anymore. My tests showed that the original antidote did work after all. I also got a sample of the creature's DNA. And after comparing them, I'm certain the monster is someone else. A new bat creature. We're both off the hook. But if it's not me, then... Let me worry about that. You've got other problems. Right. Maybe I can catch her before her plane leaves. You're sure you don't need any help? Don't worry. I'll take care of everything. Before then, confronting him and thinking that he's he's up to his old tricks again or that he's lost his mind. So sort of kind of being incredulous towards him. He has a wide array of motions to go through here. So I, I think that he does an incredible job and... and I mean, again, it's the same thing we just said about Charlie Walker. What what more can we say about Kevin Conroy? <laughs> yeah, no, he's 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 quite good in this episode. He, uh, as you mentioned, he has a lot of the dialogue because even though the sort of the focus is Kirk and Francine, sort of the underlying uh, vocal theme throughout the episode is sort of you know Batman working on this, uh, you know, trying to figure out this mystery and. We have these sort of early scenes of him talking with Alfred about, you know, seeing or having sightings of, of the man bat again. And then we have him sort of arguing with, with Kirk about whether or not the cure has worked. And he's sort of he's very accusatory of, of Langstrom at first and asking him why he would go messing with that formula again. Um, and then, yeah, we get to see a little bit of doubt when when sort of Kirk turns it around on him and goes, well, your formula must not have worked. Um, and, and I think Mark Singer does a good job sort of again when when there's sort of this high, high tension situation. Uh, and in, in this case, Kirk knows he hasn't been taking the formula, but he also can't prove that he isn't changing into the man bat because he didn't really remember it the last time either. Uh it's it's just very yeah all these very high tension sort of people accusing each other and being very defensive with each other and, and then yes as we mentioned the the scene between uh, uh Batman and 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 Doctor March as he sort of uh, uh is again waxing poetic about you know a creature like the Man Bat is what's going to be required to survive the next evolutionary cycle and. How he, you know, Kirk Langstrom just like Kirk's problem was that he didn't take it far enough and, and things like that. And he's so over the top. And then, of course, that's immediately juxtaposed by his his horror and his realization that he's, in fact, infected his own daughter with the serum. And yeah, there's and then and, and Batman's sort of response to, to him in that scene is is really quite good. So, yeah, overall, like I said, I don't I don't I don't think anyone's like out of this world great but i think everyone's very good and uh for that reason i actually gave voice acting an eight out of ten um i hate to break it to you but i think i'm gonna have to 
bring out the disagreement alarm, Lamb. Because wow. I, I would say, Emergency. based on Emergency. what I've said, I, I think I think Kevin Conroy is outstanding in this episode. Uh, when he breaks into the into and first confronts Kirk Langstrom, he has this line where he where he's responding mid sentence to a conversation that that uh, the Langstroms are having with each other. He says, "The devil it isn't," <laughs> and it's delivered so well. I, I think uh, his sort of exasperation as he as the bat cycle gets crushed by the train. <laughs> to that i can relate to batman doing that and i think in in anybody else's hands if that's a if that's a lauren lester robin robin line maybe i'm rolling my eyes at it because i'm used to you know him being very quippy but it was and and again maybe you can give it chalk it up to good writing but i i think the line is delivered perfectly like i said i think the wide uh, array of emotions that kevin had had to cover in this and and being the uh, probably second most person that has most lines in this episode probably maybe he has the most dialogue i don't know but i don't to me it felt like he had less dialogue than than kirk langstrom but regardless he has to carry the majority of it and does a great job so he's outstanding i think that his interactions with each and every character is certainly made better by his performance uh, which is why I felt I had no choice but to give voice acting a perfect 10 out of 10. Wow. Well, you know, for the for the way you laid it out, I, I think yeah, I think that makes sense for for you. Like I said, I think I think everyone's very good, but nothing uh, really stood out to me as like all time great. But uh, yeah, you make a compelling case, and I. Uh, I respect the score there. I, I, I definitely think that, uh, I mean, it's, it's funny as we, as, as you mentioned, it's like talking about, uh, you know, in, in Tiger Woods being good at golf or Michael Jordan being good at basketball, talking about how good Kevin Conroy is at playing Batman can seem a little, a little, uh, passe or over overdone, but, uh, you know, when he, when he's that good, uh, absolutely. We should, we should make sure we're singling him out because he is quite frankly, folks that good at it. So there you go. And, and it's okay yeah. for us it's okay for us to to disagree on things because if you've listened to any of the other 119 plus 9 bonus episodes that we've done here on the show, uh disagreements are few and far between. So when we have the opportunity to disagree on something, I say <laughs> dive in with both feet, Liam. That's right. And and again, this is a, you know, this is one person thought it was great and the other one thought it was good. So it's not as if we're you know, so diametrically opposed on this one. But yes, definitely a little bit of a difference of opinion there. And that will bring us to our final scores here, Cal. Uh, tallying up everything, I have a final score of 32 out of 40. All right. Uh, I am significantly higher. I don't think we've ever drawn out the uh, disagreement alarm solely based on our scores. So we'll keep that. Uh, we'll keep that. <laughs> on the shelf and uh, it, it, save it for individual categories. But uh, I ended up giving a 37 out of 40 for this week's episode. Wow. So this just, uh, this is another episode this month, making it into 
our top pick section, which based when I looked at this, uh, the list of episodes, I, I'm not sure I would have guessed that we would have two top picks this month, but uh, both last week's and Day of the Samurai and, uh, and Terror in the Sky both held up uh, quite well for, for me, but especially for you when, uh, when it came, which I, I guess brings us to rewatchability here, Cal. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to give this one a thumbs up, but uh, what do you think about rewatchability for this one? I'd say based on the fact that I put it in the top picks, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna get a <laughs> thumbs up. It's gonna get two thumbs up for me, Cotton. Uh, but yeah, man, I I think that uh, based on based on the fact not only that we rate, rated it so high, but there's some certainly important plot threads that are kind of wrapped up for the story arc of Kirk Langstrom here. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't make another appearance in the the new Batman Adventures. Uh, he does make an appearance in the tie-in comic, uh, Batman and Robin Adventures, and uh, he does make he had a, another appearance, or at least a, at least one, maybe two appearances in the Batman Adventures Volume One. Uh, but remember, don't forget, take advantage of it, check it out on DC Universe <laughs> while you still can. But even uh, the Gotham Adventures, uh, oh, yeah. where, they, where he shows up. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. There's some other whether or not uh, I'll uh, I'll leave it up to someone else to decide the canonicity of those stories. But yeah, there's sure. some there's some other fun supplemental uh, man bat stories here if you're uh, if you're looking to it. Uh, yeah, subscribe to the DC Universe while you still can. Yeah, but based on that, I I'd say uh, plus it's obviously the it's in our top picks. It, there are some threads that sort of connect. Uh, there's a mention later on that Dr. Milo has, I believe, in, in one of the Justice League uh, Unlimited episodes that we mentioned already that he, he pops up again. He mentions that he has notes from Doctor, Dr. Langstrom, uh, which seems to assume that, that he was able to get his hands on Dr. Langstrom's notes uh, since he didn't destroy them, but uh, Dr. March did. But uh, So there are some, some continuing plots in there. Plus, you, it's, it's ultimately, I mean, again, assuming... We are making a big assumption here that Batman helped them get off of the top of that bridge somehow. <laughs> but assuming that he allowed them to hop in the bat plane uh, and and descend from on top of the Gotham Bridge, or at uh, least like could you know take them down with the big robot claw arm one. Right there, time. you go. Well, it, it, it's safe to assume, and again, uh, you're free to debate the canonicity of those other comics, but uh, uh, Dr. Langstrom is one of the few villains that ends up with a sort of happy ending as opposed to the, the dark, tragic ones that we're, we're used to with the, the two faces and the poison ivies and the Mr. Freezes. So um, it's one of those sort of feel-good episodes that you're like, all right, well, this is their... Hopefully, in the final the final quote or the final line of the episode, that the nightmare is finally over. Uh, that line fits it perfectly because this is sort of their story arc wrapping up. Yeah, we talked about that last week with Day of the Samurai, but I think there's something kind of satisfying about just having this little this two episode arc, especially because on Leather Wings being sort of the first produced episode of the series, it has such an important and sort of seminal place. And I think anybody who's a fan of these cartoons uh, in their hearts and to sort of have this direct sequel, like we talked about, and then rather than continually leave it, uh, you know, open-ended, like, like a lot of, you could even do sort of the, the monster movie ending, you know, the end with the question mark and you, you hear the man bats roar again or something like it's, you know, it's the end of a Godzilla movie or something, but they, 
no, they choose to, to leave it on a very happy and, and hopeful note, which is, again, very, very sweet and very nice. And sort of see this married couple who went through these tribulations suffer quite a bit and then ultimately come out on the other side of it and sort of Batman's role in, in, in getting them there. It's, it's, it's really quite a satisfying way to sort of cap off the at least the on-screen adventures of, uh, of this man Bat character. Absolutely. All right, Cal, and that will wrap us up for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, If this was your first episode, first of all, thanks for checking us out. But second of all, good news. You have quite a few more episodes that you can check out at DCAUReview.com or on your favorite podcast app. We've done 119 of our regular episodes, plus quite a few bonus episodes covering other facets of, of DC comics and, and the DCAU itself. So quite a bit for you to check out and we will in fact be back with one more Batman review next week, Cal, but it will not be Batman, the animated series. In fact, we are returning to the world of Batman, the brave and the bold. Yeah. That won our poll. We announced that on our bonus episode and last week's episode. Actually, if you were paying attention, uh, we had a Twitter poll up. Unfortunately, uh, much to my chagrin, I was really pulling for that 1970s filmation, Adam West, Burt Ward, the moon man cartoon, but, uh, that, that failed quite miserably and ended up in third place despite my, uh, my best, best, uh, best chances at, uh, at, at trying to, to screw with the polling and stuff the ballot box, but uh, that's see, not a here. Off, it started off hot and then sort of trailed off. It was a, it was a real boot edge. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, maybe one day, maybe one day we'll, we'll get to the moon man, but yes, the next world week, wasn't ready. The world just wasn't ready for the moon man. Let's just that's be honest. Right. That's <laughs> right. And uh, yes, in fact, we will be back in the world of Batman, the brave and the bold with the episode night of the Batman. So we'll have that to look forward to on next week, the final week of August. And of course, on that episode, we will chat about what we'll be reviewing for the month of September. And that's going to be quite a bit of fun, but we'll get there down the line. And until next week, I'm Liam. And I'm Cal. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.